Welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. This is the fourth in our rivalry series where we speak to fans of rival clubs. We're joined today by the BBC's Dan Welsh, who is a West Brom supporter. I began by asking Dan how he felt going into Sunday's big derby. Well, I don't know. It feels very much as rapidly approaching lost cause territory, I think. Um, <laughs> I've, I mean, I've been incredibly pessimistic for a long time, so I'm prepared, you know. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think if we got something out of it, that would be nice. We're well past last chance saloon stage of the season, I think. So, I don't know. I think being a West Brom fan has probably shaped me to be naturally pessimistic. <laughs> and being whatever, eight points off the pace now I think it is with the amount of games left I just don't realistically see there's any way we can stay up I mean we're both from the Midlands so we were both born pessimistic I think Um, (laughs) um, but you know uh, with Villa at the moment our form isn't brilliant and I've heard a lot of Villa fans saying they're quite concerned about the game against West Brom Um, and I was a little bit when I saw your result against Chelsea and Southampton but then you got battered by Leicester what happened against Leicester? Yeah, it's um, Leicester are a very good team, I think. Um, we sort of started the game relatively brightly um, for the first 10 minutes or so. And, you know, Sam's got us sort of playing this but much more sort of high-pressing approach. And he's behind the scenes apparently been open. got the players, I think, 25% fitter is the, the figure that's been quoted around. Um, and so, you know, we started OK, but I think Leicester are one of those teams that they're, they've got a lot of good players and they play particularly well against teams that are taking that approach, leaving space in behind, mm. um, which they seem to do quite well against, you know, the likes of Man City or better than most against them. And uh, we obviously are a lot worse <laughs> than Man City. So if we <laughs> leave space in behind, they'll just, they just sort of carved us apart at will, really. And we had, you know, a, a pretty off game compared to the, the two that had come before that as well. Some of the players that have been performing well for us, like um, Yukoshlu, the central defender we brought in on loan. Mm. Um, and yeah, we just we couldn't handle Vardy and Iheanacho and and the game really got taken away from us incredibly quickly and there was no way back after that. They're just one of them teams, aren't they, Leicester? When it clicks, they can really just they can just batter you four nil, five nil. They're not a fun team team to go up against. But you know, now looking at how few fixtures there are, you look at the Villa game. Is this now your biggest game of the season? I mean, it is. As I say, I. I find all the games now I don't hold out much much hope for them I mean there's realistically I think there's games that have already passed us by that were probably bigger games where if we'd won them maybe we'd have a shot at staying up now which I find hard to believe at the moment but Mm. yeah of the ones left of course this (laughs) this is as they probably all will be now till the end but you know being Villa as well uh, a bit of a local derby as as well. It's got a bit more to it. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny one, West Brom Villa, because it's obviously such a huge game for, for both sets of supporters. But I think where I grew up in sort of Solihull area, uh, near near Super Jackie Grealish, that to me, I barely knew any West Brom fans. I only, I only knew a couple. so And obviously only loads and loads of Birmingham City fans. So the Birmingham rivalry was always to me the one that felt the most kind of vicious and intense. Whereas West Brom was like, Obviously, you want to beat them, but at the same time, I never felt that kind of same level of even Coventry City. Like that was that's another one that I felt I knew a few more Coventry fans. But um, how about you? Like, do, do you see Villa as uh, the game you really want to win in a season? Yeah, I I do, but I'm 
probably not quite be a typical West Brom fan in that, um, you know, traditionally the big West Brom rivalry um, would be Wolves uh, and the Black Country Derby. Um, but uh, so I'm not from West Bromwich originally, and I'm from um, Erdington, just north of Spaghetti Junction. So actually, if I was just supporting the local team, I by rights probably should be a Villa fan. <laughs> but um, my uncle brainwashed me. Um, oh, who no. he, I can't remember, exactly remember why, but for some reason he uh, became a West Brom fan in his youth. Um, brainwashed me and all my family into it. So, you know, where, where I was at school, there weren't any Wolves fans at all. And there was maybe one other West Brom fan in the school. Wow. Everyone was Villa or Blues as well, oh, um, right. largely Villa. So... To me, growing up, you know, when I was growing up, West Brom were always in uh, in the first division of the championship, while, while Villa were in the, the Premier League and were a much better team. So that's, for me personally, been a, a much sort of bigger rivalry because all my mates at school were, were Villa fans. So you were, you were in Erdington, you, I believe, knew Gabby Abonlahor when you were younger, you played against him? Well... <laughs> Taught him all he knew? <laughs> Taught him all he knew, for sure. But yeah... <laughs> Played against them is a strong, uh, a strong term. <laughs> so yeah, no, I went to school with, um, with Gabriel in primary and secondary school. He was the year above me, um, and both, you know, both my primary and secondary school. The one thing where they were good at was football. So um, you know, I, I play, I like to play, but I was in no way ever on the same sort of level as <laughs> as Gabriel and, and a few other very good players at my school as well who um, uh, didn't make it professionally in the way he did. Um, but yeah, you know, would have played against him on the playground. I've got to ask, like, you know what he did to the guy from One Direction, where he he threw up in a charity game after <laughs> knocking him over. Did he do that to you in the playground? Oh, I'm not sure I'd have ever uh, <laughs> been good enough to get that close to him on the playground. I don't <laughs> yeah. think. I, I doubt I'd have ever had the ball at my feet. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you look at uh, Aston Villa, who do you think is our biggest threat? Bearing in mind that Jack Grealish is almost. Uh, certainly not going to be fit. Yeah, obviously, if he was, it would be him by by a mile. But if he's not, yeah, I mean, you'd be looking at Ollie Watkins. Realistically, as you know, he's been scoring quite a few goals. He seems to have settled into the Premier League well, and seems to be growing into that 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 role at Villa well. Um, mm. And yeah, I mean, our defence has um, been pretty leaky uh, for most of the season. Slight improvement in the last few games, but I could definitely see him causing us problems. He's you know. Seems to have a great work ethic, a lot of pace, and and yeah, elsewhere I don't know. I think El Ghazi seems to cause the every time. Man. Yeah, yeah. I'm not entirely sure where he's finishing, but he mm-hmm. seems to cause us he causes problems in the our first game of the season, which was um, Allardyce's first game when, yeah. when he took over, and then you gave us uh, yeah quite a beating. So I'm hoping. <laughs> I do think we might. I'm hoping we perform better in this game than than that one, and. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we gave you a decent game. Yeah, um, I mean, who who would you say also is West Brom's biggest threat? Who who should Villa be nervous about? Well, I mean, our our best player, well, my best player of the season has probably been Sam Johnston, but that tells you everything about our season, really. <laughs> um, but not, not so much on the threat front. But um, Mateus Pereira is um, definitely our most talented attacking player by a long way. And even... You know, despite it being a very difficult season where he has kind of drifted in and out a bit compared to last season, he was absolutely unbelievable in the championship. But, you know, he's still you know, a top scorer. He has still been scoring goals, getting assists. And if he's on form, then he's the one player that, that can sort of really make a difference and I think could cause most teams in the Premier League trouble. 
Okay, I'll pass that information on to Sadine Smith. He'll, he'll, he'll take it, <laughs> say no, I'm sure. Um, so, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier the Villa-West Brom game earlier this season. And I'll be quite frank, I was really shocked in that game just how poor West Brom really were. That was, I, I assume that was one of your worst performances of the season. Are you better now? Are you a better side under Big Sam? Yeah, definitely. There has been quite a noticeable improvement, I'd say. I think, yeah, we were incredibly poor that game. Um, it was one of those ones where you sort of got the sense that the players still had been largely playing for Billich, even though mm. we hadn't been doing that well. But, you know, we'd got, just got a draw against Man City before they went on their sort yeah. of mad winning run, um, which, you know, was a really good result. And it looked like there was maybe a bit of a hangover of, of him going and, and we certainly didn't see the new manager bounce that you sometimes get when a manager comes in in their first game. We have, and you know, I think we had to live a more sent off in that game as well. We were just, you know, very, very poor. It was a tough watch. Um, but yeah, no, there has been a big improvement. I think um, the January transfer window, we had a you know, pretty good one. I think uh, Allardyce seems to have sort of identified the quite obvious areas of weakness we had in that we were really weak in central midfield. Um, and we didn't have a striker that could sort of act as a focal point at all. And he, he's brought a few players in, like Yukushli, who looks, you know, looks really good. He's poor against Leicester, but um, in general, he's played really well for us and looks like he's you know, really cut out to be a, a Premier League defensive midfielder. Okay. And Dianya, the striker he's brought in, he's done pretty well. His finishing's not great, but he, you know, his link-up play and hold-up play has been really good. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think we're, with those players in, uh, and we look a bit sturdier at the back now, a bit fitter. I think we are definitely better. And I think if we had the squad we've got now, I feel like we'd have a much better chance of staying up. I, I just thought we might sort of be maybe above the sort of Brightons and Burnies potentially. And what, what do you think? Do you, is, it, is there any chance whatsoever yet that Big Sam can keep you up this season or is it just a bit, <laughs> bit too late in the day? I think it's too late in the day. I mean, you know, we've been in, in sort of, ridiculously precarious positions before. Like I was there at the, in, at the Hawthorns, the great escape day when you'd have thought we had absolutely no chance of staying up that season. We did, but this to me feels given where we are and the, the kind of how we drift we are. I think this is probably even more unlikely than that now. Okay. And also got to, you know, you know, from Erdington, you're not far from Villa Park, you know, you can get a view of that from Spaghetti Junction. So, uh, you know, is there any chance we can convert you back to the, the, the good guys? Can we ever turn you to a Villa fan or is it, is it too late in the day? Absolutely not. I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid, Frankie. I mean, look. If it was, if you know, I'm sure it's a much nicer life being a Villa fan at the moment. Look where you are on the table, and <laughs> you seem to have owners that are backing you, and you've probably, hopefully, got quite a sort of exciting we're doing future well in, ahead. We're doing well in the race for twelfth place. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would. I'd be very happy with that, though, Frankie. Yeah. Um, but no, unfortunately, it's um, it's too far gone now. I don't think there's any undoing. You and Norwich seem to have worked it out the the sort of <laughs> the yo-yo thing. You know, <laughs> every yeah. time you go down, back up. Yeah, it's it's not good for my uh, my stress levels, but at least it's um, at least it's kind of exciting. You know, my my uh, best mate when I was growing up was a Rochdale fan, and I think they'd been stuck in League Two for thirty-five years or something. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly don't have that problem. <laughs> Villa, no filler on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Now it's time for a new section where we ask our rival fans a spicy question. Today we ask you, Dan, 
If you could take one Villa player over to the Baggies, they'd never be forgiven, but who would it be? Well, I mean, the obvious answer has to be Grealish, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know, is that too boring an answer, though? Is he ruled out? Because I feel like everyone's going to say him. He's clearly uh, your best player. Yeah, and, I think you it's know, except- one, one of the best players in the Premier League. Okay, we'll, we'll assume Grealish, but if there's anyone else outside that's caught your eye and... Yeah, I mean, other than Grealish, I'd maybe be looking at Ollie Watkins, you know. Yeah, yeah we, we really lack uh, that kind of mobile, effective striker who, who you know, has a decent finishing record. Um, you know, and, and he looks like that. He's young as well. He looks like he's going to keep on improving. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess I'd probably say Ollie Watkins. And I, I haven't really been probably paying enough attention to... Um, to Villa's defensive lineup, but Consa does look good when I've seen him, and I know that um, uh, your good self and your, <laughs> your co-hosts and every other Villa fan raves about him. Yeah, um, and we could certainly do with uh, some more convincing centre backs as well. So, be tempted by him. I'd, if I was you, I'd just get El Ghazi because he's always scores against you. He just needs yeah, he to does stop seem to. Yeah, he does uh, seem to. Even if we don't play him, we'll just as long as he's not on the pitch against us. But but you mentioned Grealish and Ollie Watkins. Now they're both. Uh, players who've done well for England in the last year. You know, Watkins made his debut, scored against San Marino. Grealish also made his debut and really starred against Belgium uh, and in a few other games as well. Do you think that both of them should go to the Euros? And if so, should either of them start for England? I think Grealish, undoubtedly, assuming he gets back fit again um, and doesn't have any injury issues, then he, yeah, definitely, definitely should be going to the Euros. And I personally probably would be starting him. I think he, mm. I really do think he's, he's a very, very talented player that can cause teams a lot of problems at the Euros. It does depend on his fitness. But yeah, that no, no question over him. Um, Watkins, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure I'd pick Watkins. I don't know if I'd be bringing him. He does look good. Um, and he looks, you know, it's a very decent striker and has a good future ahead of him. I'm not sure. I, I think England probably have enough cover mm. in the sort of positions Watkin plays. I know he, you know, he can do a bit of both as in playing in the number nine role, but also going out on the wing as well. But yeah. I think I'd personally say there are probably better options than him. Just it seems to be where England are so strong at the moment. Yeah, it's mad. It's kind of a reversal of how it used to be back in, you know, the nineties when it was at the, the defense was so strong and there were so many good center backs and maybe, you know, we didn't have a left midfielder, that kind of thing. Um, whereas uh, now, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, Watkins, um, I guess he offers something slightly different to other strikers. Like, you know, you could throw him on there as a little poacher or something uh, compared to Kane and Calvert-Lewin, who I'd say maybe similar profile. And then I saw a lot of fans from Leeds particularly complaining that Bamford wasn't picked, which I think is fair because he's obviously had a really good season. He's a very good player. But I think he's probably too similar to Calvert-Lewin and Kane in what he does, whereas Watkins maybe has a little bit more versatility and can play out in the wing and just gives another option in case there's a glut of injuries, you know? That's, that was my <clears throat> thinking on Watkins, at least. I'm not, I'm not sure if he'll get picked, but um, as you say, there's so much competition. But also Grealish, I mean, it, you know, it's, isn't it fascinating that Southgate wouldn't pick him? He was so, it just wouldn't choose the guy. And then it took a load of injuries for him to finally come in and star. And, you know, I mean... Do you, what do you think it is about fans outside of Villa that it took a long time for people to sort of realise that Villa fans maybe weren't overhyping him, that actually really he maybe was as good as people were saying? Like, what, what do you think that was? 
Well, I mean, I think um, I, I think he is one of those players that really has steadily improved for his entire career. Like, I think when he was younger, that I probably would have said that as well. I think mm. a little like when uh, Cristiano Ronaldo first went to Man United, you know, he the end product didn't quite seem to be there in terms of his, his finishing or his final ball. And and I, you know, Grealish, I'd say in his younger years, was probably relatively similar. Um, but slightly again similarly to Ronaldo he seems to be one of those players that is incredibly dedicated to bettering himself and improving all the time um and uh, and I think particularly you really start to see the effects of that in the last couple of years and and even this season I think he's looked noticeably better than 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 last and Mm. so you know I, I think I'd say now that certainly the last six months or so I'd I'd say you know, the general consensus amongst most England fans is they kind of recognise how good he is and that he should be part of the uh, the squad now. Like, I think if he was back fit and it wasn't selected, I think it would be, you know, quite an outcry amongst most football fans. And how exciting is the prospect of Grealish playing alongside Phil Foden? Oh, God, yeah, incredibly. I know we were talking about it um, yesterday, having watched uh, the, uh, the, the Villa Man City game, just how good Foden is. I mean, mm. he looks... As they Grealish looks great, but Foden really looks like he could be one of the best players in the world. And yeah, he's still definitely. how twenty is he still? Twenty, yeah. Yeah, I mean he just looks phenomenal. And and really, you know, he's on great form as well. Like he's mm. really one of the form players of the Premier League this season. Every time I see him, he looks like he plays really well. I know Guardiola rotates his, his squads quite a lot, but I haven't really seen him put a foot wrong. Yeah, he's uh he's got the right coach because I mean when I Every time I've seen Foden this season, I've thought, you can see he's getting better and better and better. And then when he played Villa the other night, I just watched it and I thought, I hate watching people do well against Villa. But, you know, very rarely I have to step back and go, we are witnessing a very, very special and unique player. And I know it's dangerous to overhype players. You think back to Jack Wilshire. We were all raving about Jack Wilshire 10 years ago. He's probably a similar profile to Foden, but there just is something about Foden that's very special and he's got the right coach because you think Guardiola was at Barcelona. Foden looks like a Barcelona player of 10 years ago, really, I, I think. I think he reminds me of an Iniesta. Um, you know, and as I say, I, I am completely overhyping him here, but I feel like it's, there's enough he's showing to justify that this is a player who is very special and quite unique. And the thought of him and Grealish together is, uh, yeah, super exciting. Yeah, very exciting. I mean, yeah, England really, you know, have so many good options in sort of attacking midfielder roles at the moment that, you know, there's any number of combinations of those with, you know, Sancho, Sterling, Rashford as well is is, is very exciting. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we've been here before, so we'll probably be proved wrong, but the future does look bright. <laughs> Doing this in 10 Famous. years. Like, well, yeah, we'll come back. <laughs> what was Foden all about? He was rubbish, mate. He was playing for Rochdale in League Two for the last 10 years. Yeah, when he's at West Brom in six years' time. <laughs> so that's it. We have decided that Super Jack Grealish must start for England. If you have an opinion on that, you can get in touch with us at allvillanofiller at gmail.com or you can contact us through Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Okay, Dan, now we come to the most important question of all. West Brom, Aston Villa Sunday. What's going to be the score? Uh, I am going to, and this is me being optimistic, say one all. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. How's it going to go? How's the game going to go? Well, I think we are going to have to we're going to have to come out on, on the front foot, but I can still see us having issues running the back of the net. I don't know. I, I, maybe one all or a two all, maybe if we're pushing the boat out. But mm. I just think I can see both teams being up for it. You've obviously got you know stuff to play for as well and try and sort of get your way up the table and and uh you know got an outside shot at europe but mm. i think it'd be quite an exciting game actually i think um uh, again i do think there's a risk like the leicester game though that we could uh get found out if we do come out on the front foot if you get a couple of quick goals in the first half again so mm. i don't know it could be a good game for you yeah, it's a tough one. Villa are in very weird form at the moment. We, I mean, our defence is still performing really well. I think all of our defence was great. Um, it's just midfield seems to be where there's a real issue at the moment. We just can't seem to hold on to the ball. And the tactics we've been playing are very much built around Grealish. And without Grealish there, in truth, we just haven't ever looked comfortable going forward. Um, retaining the ball, creativity, just hasn't really been there. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I could see this game going either way. Uh, and I think a lot of Villa fans aren't hugely confident about it. But, you know, it's a derby. I'm going to say that the lads are up for it. I'm going to say Ollie Watkins wins it for us. And do you, my quick question to you. Yeah. Do you think, is Grealish, is there any question that someone could come in for him in the summer? Do you think it's 100% safe that he'd be with you next year? Yeah, it's a very good question. Do you know what? If the Super League had gone ahead, I think we'd be in real danger then. Um, if, it, if the Super League had gone ahead and there was no problem with it whatsoever um, from governments or anything, and you imagine an Arsenal and a Tottenham are suddenly awash with cash, um, same for the you know Man City and Chelsea and all that, I think we would have struggled then because somebody like Tottenham could come in with a massive bid. Um, but I mean, ultimately, I am very confident we can hold on to Grealish in the sense he showed his loyalty with the five-year contract at the start of the season. Um, he, he's, a, he's a Villa fan. He loves the club. He really wants us to get kick on and do well. But, you know, footballers at the end of their careers do want the medals, don't they? Um, and I think we're going to have to prove to him this summer with the players we sign that we're up to that task because we had a great summer last year, but you can see the limitations of our squad at the moment. Um, so I am confident the the board, you know, if we get a huge bid come in for him, that the board will hold out and say he's the crown jewel that we're building around. Um, but you, you you can't say a hundred percent no if if someone did bid a hundred million. But then again, with the injuries had, you do wonder would would like, would they take a risk on that because he's he's had that injury a few times now in the last couple of seasons. So yeah, I'm confident we'll hold on to him. I think. Um, but if if say he'd um, you know carried on right to the end of the season playing at ultra elite form he was in and then in the summer at the Euros been had a, an amazing summer with England you'd have then had all the Real Madrid's looking at him and the you know Juventus or whoever that 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 could have happened so I don't know maybe his injuries actually helped us a little bit <laughs> um, weirdly but yeah I'm, I'm hopeful hopeful that we'll, we can keep on to him and also you know considering we have lived through one of the most momentous weeks in football history for something that actually didn't end up happening. We had the Super League. Now, the Super League, it affects all fans. You've seen all fans come together. You've seen European governments, the entirety of German football. You've seen British royals, you know, who never say anything out of the, you know. So what are your thoughts on, on what happened with the Super League? 
Well, yeah, it's been an incredibly surreal week, hasn't it? It's been hard to to keep up with with everything that's been unfolding. Um, I mean, it, it's clearly a complete shambles. Um, it was unbelievable. It's it's you know one of those things where the the big clubs have sort of been using this as a as a not so subtle threat and as a bargaining chip really to to have their their way to be given sort of preferential treatment for a while and 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 have competitions uh changed to, to suit them um but then for them actually to sort of then go for it and, and officially attempt to to launch it was just unbelievable really and and just shows such i think contempt for fans and mm. and really i mean it's the next kind of i guess it is a logical step but it's really the next step for really sort of unfiltered greed in football um you know to the point of actually taking away the competitive structure that that's existed in football and you know really is one of the main reasons it's become um or european football certainly you know become as big as it has mm. um it's just it's just unbelievable that that they thought they could do it and and almost quite comical at the same time as well that it just seems to have been done in such a slightly shambolic way and <laughs> and and this yeah there's quite a funny level of incompetence to it as well and i, I think it's obviously big downsides to that but in a way you know there's some quite significant silver lining seeing the reaction um to it from um from football fans across well across europe but in in the uk you know really mm. seems to maybe it's the one thing that could unite uh unite football fans of the different teams here <laughs> was that and and i think that reaction was really important in in getting it stopping in its tracks and and getting them to turn back on it so quickly and you know it's kind of opened the conversation now to um the direction football's going in and i guess i'm probably am pessimistic in the longer run that i'm sure something like this will rear its head again and and we won't be sort of led to a utopia of of everyone playing on an equal playing field but it you know it has certainly seems to capture people's imaginations and get them thinking about having conversations about the sort of greed that we are seeing in football and and whether there could be some reform to that in future Mm, it's one of the most extraordinary things i've ever seen i think ever in any news story because it it was the fact that on sunday we were going about our business and then on sunday night i was thinking is this the end of aston villa is this the end of west brom because, you know, those teams would just outgrow the Premier League, leave us all in the dust. And then eventually it would morph itself into being something that was utterly separate from the Premier League and they'd leave the Premier League. Is how I think it would eventually have evolved and gone. Um, and then you think to yourself, well, what, what, what is Aston Villa then? What is West Brom? You know, what, what do we do? Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe we would have survived. I mean, maybe that's a bit of an extreme way to look at it. But... Um, mm. I've heard some people sort of making the argument that um, that maybe for some clubs of sort of you know the Villas, West Ham's of the world, maybe even West Brom, that that maybe it could be a good thing in that if those you know big six teams were gone, that then um, you might have a shot of winning the, the Premier League and so on. I don't know what you think of that. To me, I just I just hate the idea of it. I hate that. I hate that thought because these six clubs they're part of. That our collective heritage it's our it's our league it's you know part all of them man city leicester uh, sorry liverpool sorry manchester united want to beat them all the time but they you want them there because they that's who we've always played it's um 
it's built a, a rivalry over a century, you know, and um, I just think that I just think that's such a myopic way of looking at it to think that you know, oh, Villa would win the league, but then you think there'd always be a, you always think, well, we won the league, but you know, we didn't do it how Leicester did it. Leicester did it, winning the league with all those big teams there. It, it sort of just thinks to yourself, it's just not, it's not the same. I think you know, maybe maybe. Maybe it would have changed over ten years, and maybe it would be amazing. We won the league, but I think in my in the back of our minds, growing up with these clubs, always playing them, it just wouldn't have been the same. The damage I think it really could have done to communities and football itself was just uh, unbelievable, um, and it really shows how out of touch the the owners were, um, and how incompetent they were. You know, just thinking they could force this through and get away with it. Completely, yeah. I mean, I think they really you know miscalculated on the reaction they'd get and and either they either they don't understand the connection local people have with their clubs or they just have a complete disdain for it i'm not entirely sure to what extent that they've got that balance but yeah i think they they certainly underestimated quite how vitriolic the response would be from pretty much the entire football community yeah i mean god the response was just ferocious wasn't it and it was it was I couldn't keep my eyes off it. I just, I just, I couldn't. And I was, it's all I could talk about. It's all I could think about for 48 hours. I was so furious about it. Um, I think Gary Neville, you know, he's, he put it so succinctly in what he said, you know, and I think that actually his initial reaction and going viral is partly what led to such everyone immediately cottoning on. This is not what we want. Um, and I what, think it was. Yeah. I think that, that actually played quite a big role. People like you know, um, Neville and Carragher's, mm sort of spiels that they went on and um you know then footballers coming out and and publicly stating that they were against it as well i think that was really important for the, for the momentum uh, against it and and what kind of punishment would you like to do you think well firstly do you think the team should be punished and if so what would you like to see happen well i think all relegated to league two every other team bumped up so west brom can get a nice sort of plunged <laughs> 16th spot this season straight in there <laughs> i'd be happy with that yeah i'd take that <laughs> they can work their way back up yep rangers had to do it 10 years ago so why not man city and it'd be great fun for league two wouldn't it <laughs> all of those <laughs> down there <laughs> All six of them going for the going for the promotion spots. <laughs> the one season Rochdale will finally have a squad where they're like, we can get out of the league. And then they look around, they're like, oh, you are kidding me. You are kidding me. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. I've been your host, Frankie Maguire. Thank you very much, Dan, joining us from the dark side and uh, talking about the derby. But I have to say, I hope you have a miserable Sunday. Thank you, Frankie. Thank you. Likewise. And it's goodbye from me. I'll be back with George and Roisin later to talk all things Villa. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. Super Aston Villa.